Welcome to Cloud Innovators, the podcast series for CIOs charting the journey to the cloud and quashing the misconceptions around it. In this third episode, we're going to be looking at the actual migration itself. We'll see how our CIOs have approached it and look at key elements of migration which need to be addressed, such as planning, testing and change management. We'll also find out what support, both internal and external, CIOs should be leaning on as part of this operation. The actual process of cloud migration can be a nerve-wracking time for CIOs. But careful planning of the physical migration process, as we discussed in the previous episode, is crucial. So before migration starts, a lot of the key elements in scope will already be locked down. David Traviasis is the European Director of IBM's Cloud Migration Factory. That's the part of IBM which is in charge of infrastructure, migration and modernization to any multi-cloud or hybrid cloud environment. And he's helped numerous organizations move their workloads to the cloud. Usually, we decide what to move first, application, workload and infrastructure. This is defined with the client during the planning phase. What happens is we try usually to move the easy piece of the migration first, just to do some kind of testing, stress the end-to-end methodology, stress the planning, stress the network bandwidth. Now, it really depends on the client requirement and the business requirement and the flexibility the client has on business or IT outages. For example, we can move non-prod workloads during a week because the client doesn't need these applications to be working during the migration phase. Regarding production application or production workloads, it can be different. And then in that case, we need to plan an outage. And most of the time, this is during the weekend. So in summary, we move first the easy piece or the easiest piece of the migration. And then the client can have some requirements from an application to move some production application first, because this is his decision and this is where he can have a business disruption during the migration. There are a range of options to consider when shifting an organisation to the cloud, replatforming, refactoring applications, lifting and shifting. But the best approach to cloud migration can differ depending on sector and size of the organisation. In addition, as we mentioned last time, cloud migrations have a reputation for going over budget. But was this a concern for our CIOs? Here's Fatima Mahad, former Director of Technology and Operations at UCAS. The question of budget is always a challenge for IT organisations and in the UCAS case it's absolutely that because a significant proportion of the UCAS budget is on IT. So one of the things on reflection is the early phases of migration in that stabilisation phase were absolutely above budget. We didn't stay within budget. But in learning from that, we then developed a total cost of ownership. So looking at how do we understand the full picture? And then off the back of that total cost of ownership was then looking at, well, how where can we optimise cost? And actually one of the areas we thought we could optimise cost was around the cloud adoptions that we'd already made. Another big concern, as always, is security. 
Alex Farr was in charge of an unusual cloud migration at Monarch Aircraft Engineering after the organisation had gone into administration. We were being driven at the time by privacy law that was in place with the US that didn't stand up as it transpires. So we needed to make sure we were storing data in the UK. We needed to know where our data was at all times because some of the customers that we were dealing with are regulated and need that comfort. There's also the competitive side of it where they perhaps want to be sure that someone else wasn't looking at their data. And I suppose there's somewhat a leap of faith moving to the cloud around actually Do you lose some of that control over your data? Do you lose some of that security? My personal view is actually it enhances our security profile. You know, any provider will always have more resource to leverage. They'll be able to put a lot more finance into making sure that their products are secure and compliant. And actually, if the worst case scenario ever did happen, they would be able to respond to that in a lot quicker and timely manner than what we would be able to. That then formed part of the business case. You know, we appreciate the risks of moving to the cloud, but we see this as some of the benefits. And that was really important for the business. Security is one of the main concerns, of course, of our clients who want to migrate to the cloud before or during the migration. It's really depending on what are the data privacy and what are the client restrictions? What is the industry in which the client is working? Banking, for example, or distribution, airline companies with some financial data, some client information can be very sensitive for the client. So security drives two things during the migration. The security of the links, which are going to migrate from the source data center to the cloud target cloud data center. So in that case, we can use some encryption, usually, which is um, used. But then there is another thing, which is the access to the data and the access to the workload that the client is managing in his source data center. Depending on the constraint, depending on the, again, the industry, depending on the regulatory requirement in some countries like Luxembourg, like Switzerland, you can sometimes not have some people outside of the country accessing the data and performing the migration. And in that case, it needs to be people who are locally sitting in the country and only people who are locally sitting in the country. So what's the role of a CIO during migration? Hands-on, monitoring, or nervously pacing and chewing their fingernails? The role of the CIO through the migration journey, I would say... You know, one is fundamentally to provide a leadership role and particularly to the IT teams and to be there as a champion, as an advocate and also as a support, you know, if things are not going well. It's definitely a role around managing stakeholders and, you know, being able to sell that vision and the benefits to the stakeholders in a language that actually works for the stakeholders. So not a deeply technical language, but one that's more ingrained in business need and business value. I would say it's one that is there to paint a picture about the vision. You know, what is this going to achieve and enable in the future? Not just in terms of addressing the risks and issues of today, but actually what opportunities does it create for the future? 
each system works slightly differently so some of them you could see quite easily moving across at a data level some of which you're a bit blind to i think that's perhaps where some people lose a bit of comfort as well not being able to to see exactly what's going on we relied on a mix of internal resource and also service providers to be able to do some of that given the amounts of data you know we were we were moving data over weekends overnight and it just wasn't feasible with the small team we had to be able to monitor that at all times there are a suite of products that will help you manage that data migration though so during the migration the cio likes to be there <laughs> needs to be there And uh, I think it's mandatory for them to track what is happening. The CIO, we usually have some regular checkpoints during the migration event. The client teams and the CIO teams are with us during the migration. The business is there mainly during the testing phase. Well, they are there if they are still running the applications and accessing the source data center, but during the migration itself, the business doesn't need to be there really. They are really mandatory during the test phase, and it's only, well, dedicated teams which are going to run some use cases. And then when the cutover is happening, then the business um, resumes its normal operations and is there as if they were operating in the source environment. But definitely the CIOs like to be there during the migration events. In order to make sure the systems work exactly as expected before cutting over, testing is obviously crucial. Alex Denley, who we met in previous episodes, is Deputy Director of Innovation and Transformation at London South Bank University. So in terms of the migration approach, the way that we ensured success was, in the first instance, we had our fallover environment in Amsterdam, which had a lot of our development and pre-pod environments uh, that should be mirrored into production, which was running in London. What we did is we set up a 20-server virtual environment and had some test scripting in terms of the applications that we were going to move over in which priority order. In the first instance, we used this as our kind of test window uh, ahead of the actual main migration. Ran the scripts, migrated the applications across, and on the back of that, the lessons learned piece in terms of what we actually understood in terms of timings, things that may or may not have gone right, which allowed us to act upon ahead of actually moving the production services across at the following main migration window. Testing is an absolutely fundamental part of UCAS's preparations for the mission critical events, so A-level results day, Scottish results day, etc. And we did have a very significant um, testing program that went alongside, you know, change management and other things. So for each of the major applications, we were looking at testing the demand to four times what we had seen in previous years. And some of that testing was absolutely technology testing, but we also did a lot of simulation exercises around, for example, our response to incident management. So should we have an incident, how are we also going to respond to that? peak capacity, security, at what level do we think if we were getting DDoS attacks, for example, at what point do we think that's going to fail? And so you're really pushing all your testing to the crunch point and should we in a real case scenario experience this, then this is what would happen. The testing is one of the seven towers of end-to-end migration to the cloud. We perform some testing before the migration, during the migration and after the migration. And we perform testing on 
the source data center in the client side, and we perform some testing, of course, during the migration and after the migration on the target cloud data center. The testing is a key element because it allows to indicate to the whole team if testing is okay, the number of defects we are getting during the migration are not critical, are not save one, are not going to disrupt the business. So it's really a key indicator and the trigger to say we continue or we have to discuss and make a joint decision with the client to continue or to stop the migration or to slow down the migration to understand what is going on. And it can sometimes throw up unexpected results. One of the um, techniques that I try and use is to find both a friendly and, and non-friendly customer, if you like. So someone that's tech-savvy from outside the department to test certain applications for us that you can have comfort with, that they'll do the right thing. They'll try and understand why something's perhaps not working. They understand from a training perspective their limitations, but also the non-friendly because they're the ones that are going to uncover the strange little nuances that you perhaps hadn't thought about. An example of that is the phone system migration. We moved our phone system to the cloud and, and had views of using soft phones on mobile phones and on laptops, etc. And we thought it was fantastic. We, we give people the agility they need. They can work from anywhere, sit anywhere they like. What we hadn't taken into consideration is that some of our users they like to have a physical phone, they like to have something that they can hold, something they can pick up, something they can hear ring. And actually, some of them just wanted to have a phone on the desk that they picked up. Well, that wasn't something we'd considered. We'd, we'd gone to the market, we'd gone to the market leader for unified comms, but that piece only came out through the testing. So, you know, we had to quickly identify what users that would affect. And I suppose that comes back to the change management piece. And, and if you consider sort of the way people deal with change and that change curve, that actually that's perhaps the first step for them. The testing always throws up some unexpected results. So just as an example, some of the things we would experience in looking at four times the demand is you might, for example, see that let's say truck that you're testing the previous years, we had 1.25 million logins and you're looking at four times that, so maybe six million logins. But then in your initial phases of testing that the technology was failing at two times the capacity. So then you start to realize, okay, I haven't secured the right capacity, so I now need to scale up and increase the number of instances I'm using to you know, double or triple that. You then go back and test again and see, okay, is it working now? It is imperative for an efficient migration to cause minimal disruption to businesses. You need to keep the lights on because, in fact, if you don't do that, the new cast doesn't really exist because it's not offering the services that is expected of it as an organisation. However, alongside that, there was a development of a new corporate strategy which actually started to say, well, we have done great by managing to migrate the existing applications to the cloud and now the service is performing. However, um, the customer experience is still not great. So we now need to think about looking at this as a more of a transformation, not just stabilization, and therefore look at how can we use technologies that are out there to then help UCAS achieve its ambitions around digital transformation particularly. 
with any project, when you're moving to the cloud, you have to consider how you maintain day-to-day operations and how you continue the BAU stuff. At Monarch, when we were looking at moving some of our applications to the cloud, we still had some internal resource we needed to support in order to keep the business moving. It's trying to minimize those risks and run as much in parallel as we could, do as much in-depth testing and go back to using those friendly and not-so-friendly customers to help us understand where the issues could occur. The main thing, obviously, for uh, any organization is to be able to continue to operate and the move to the cloud has to be designed in such a way that you can be sure of a smooth transition. It really depends on what type of workload we are going to move, like, as I said, non-production versus production, or some production environments or applications with minimal size, which can be done in a couple of hours migration. So we really try to understand and to group and to bundle the waves according to what outage the client can allow to himself, not only to us in terms of migration capability, but in terms of himself by stopping his business for a couple of hours or during a weekend. Automation is increasingly common during migration, as it can be used to group workloads, improve planning and ultimately speed up the entire process. Automation is a key part of our migration methodology. It's strongly depending on the tools also we are using. Automation allows to improve the quality of our migration preparation, discovery, planning, bundling, grouping of the workloads. It helps accelerate and speed up the process. And it helps, of course, optimizing the resources which are needed to perform end-to-end migration. So just to give you an example, the cloud migration factory was created in 2017. And we have been able, through automation and standard set of tools, to execute end-to-end migration to perform 20% productivity through our process. So automation is really key in this methodology. But even with careful planning, the process can throw up its fair share of unpredicted moments. You can have internal issues, you can have external issues. Internal issues, and I would say they can be at client side or they can be in IBM side. Client can decide to postpone or to stop a migration because of sudden business requirement, sudden activities, an outage in his own data center, which will prevent from moving the data to our target cloud data center. We can also have some issues which are happening from a migration uh, team side, which can be technical, network, any technical issue which could happen in the end-to-end process. And then you can have some external issues. I can give you an example of a weather forecasting company. We are performing a migration at the moment. And a storm was announced in the UK just a couple of days before a large migration event which would be happening during a weekend. So in that case, the client asked us to stop everything and to postpone this migration wave, which and sometimes can be very complex to manage. I would say there were 
quite a few hairy moments. And some of these were driven by the experience from the previous year and, you know, the organizational memory around how painful that was and the impact it had, not just on UCAS customers, but, you know, our ability to really do other activities. So, for example, the first time the service ran on A-level results day, we have tend to have two peaks, one in the morning when students log in to look at their results and then one later on in the day at five o'clock when essentially the clearing service opens. So the first year we did this, the morning service worked and performed really well and there was jubilation, but then the five o'clock service didn't. So there have been a number of lessons learned over the years to continue to refine the data plans, the the migration strategies, the hosting, the number of instances that we are using. So a lot learned and built into to a point where we then got to 2015, where it was, okay, we've got this absolutely right from a stabilisation perspective. Here's Alex Denley from LSBU again. So there's always considerations to make in terms of the dangers that go along with any migration. No matter how much you think you thought of and covered in the first instance, there's probably areas that may or may not have been considered. It's also uh, ensuring that you have the relevant skill sets uh, available should things go wrong. And also, I think it's important to consider people outside of the migration who may need to be considered from a network perspective, operational perspective, and then you've got the support of other entities who you may or may not think are relevant right now. But there's, I think it's very basically ensuring that you have a level of awareness that something significant is going on and that you may or may not be required, but in the event that you are, that they have the availability and resources to accommodate you should things go wrong. It's basically covering yourselves for all options and a level of unknown if it's not there. And even with the most thorough plan in the world, an organisation can sometimes find itself in the position of needing to pause or even roll back migration. Rolling back can happen if, for example, we find that the migration event is going to take longer than what was planned. And simply because it would generate a business outage longer than what was possible for the client. So in that case, we always have a rollback scenario in case we need to make that decision. Now, of course, this is, uh, depending on the planning again, but this is the last decision we want to take during a migration event because we will try to fix any issues that we will find out during the migration. And we, we always have some issues. They are being fixed uh, on a live basis. But definitely, one of the major reasons for deciding to roll back is because the throughput and the bandwidth between the source data center and the cloud data center is lower than expected. Then in that case, we can decide to roll back because the migration event would take longer than expected. I think from a UCAS perspective, it was more about focusing on what are we going to address the issues that we've identified because, you know, it became a mission critical situation. This had to work and this is the solution we're adopting. So there wasn't essentially the luxury of rolling back in some cases. And in UCAS's instance, most of these events, in fact, happen only once a year. So if you miss your window then the next time you'll be looking at this will be 12 months hence or possibly 18 months hence. So it becomes really important to allow that your program plans and project plans around enough flex to be able to adjust and respond to the risks and issues that you've identified. 
and a CIO's work is never done. The journey to the cloud, I think, is a continuous effort. And particularly if you're an organization that's driven by either, you know, the drive to deliver efficiencies, the drive to generate revenue, the drive to improve customer experience, then this continues to be a journey. And we know the technology is changing at an exponential rate and there are new services being developed. So you can't stand still because if you stand still, you'll find yourself where you were when you were initially considering cloud as a solution. So I think there's always an effort of ongoing horizon scanning and looking at, you know, how do I continue to optimize what I already have, but then what new solutions are available and how do I adopt to those? And we'll be looking at that next stage of our CIO's journeys, how to manage applications and workloads in the cloud next time. We have, you know, taken our old wine and put it into new bottles, but then now we now actually need to develop new wine, if you will. Hope you can join us. Goodbye.